Every business should have access to high-speed internet, no matter where they are. But getting fast speeds in rural Canada hasn't always been easy, which meant less reliability, scalability, and connectivity. ExploreNet Enterprise Solutions has the network to help you do business virtually anywhere in Canada. With extensive fiber, fixed wireless, and satellite networks, we're bringing the high speeds of the big city to small towns, to tiny towns, and even no towns. No matter your business size or location, get connected today with ExploreNet Enterprise Solutions. Are you ready to clear a new path? Welcome to Clearing a New Path podcast, a space for the underrepresented voices of women entrepreneurs in rural Canada. I'm your host, Shauna Ray. Each episode, guests will speak authentic truth because it's the truth that connects us. Each one inspires us all to take up space within our own communities and within the business world, reminding us that each path can be messy and unique. Join us on the journey, clearing a new path. Shana Jones is a multidisciplinary professional spoken word artist specializing in the traditional oral storytelling of African and Afro-diasporic folklore. As an award-winning actor and emerging poet and playwright, Shana has written and performed for theater companies, schools, and festivals across Canada. As a folklorist, Shana combines her passion for live theatrical performance with the study of traditional African and Afro-diasporic folklore and contemporary Black experience to create dynamically soulful, nuanced, and unforgettable performances. She speaks in this episode about her experience as a Black woman living in a small mountain town in British Columbia and the reasons she started her project, Black and rural. You only have to hear her speak to understand the magnitude of Shana's talent. Okay, Shana, where do you hail from? Where in rural or remote Canada are you? I am in a little town, teeny tiny village tucked away in the mountains of BC called Caslow. We are about an 11 hour drive from Vancouver, heading east and then a little bit north to give some context, but a little mountain village in BC. Wow, it sounds picturesque. What brought (laughs) you there? Oh, there's many ways that I can answer that question, depending on what day you find me. Um, But today, what drew me out, drew me and my family out here were uh, some dear friends of ours who had blazed a trail before us, uh, an older couple who are tucked even more remotely uh, 
away than we are who live on a land that's land that's boat access only and they're building a stone chapel that's supposed to last an a thousand years a thousand years and we were drawn to these friends of ours and came out this way initially just to support them but then uh, it became very clear that there was some kind of destiny or fate involved because for me now living where I do has become so deeply a part of my own development as a as a mother as an artist uh, the land I am on I am on is so much a part of my healing uh, it's the context I want to raise my kids in now so what drew me here um, is kind of now a um, just a passing point in the story. It's what keeps me here that that um, is really the miracle to me. Wow, I can just visualize and imagine that stone chapel and how magical <laughs> and attractive that might be. At the bottom of your emails, you have an African proverb in your signature. Mm. It says... Until the story of the hunt is told by the lion, the tale will always glorify the hunter. Does this inform and inspire your work? Yes. Yeah, I love that that saying. And um, I actually know several other people, um, people in the African community who also have uh, a dear hold on that quote and and for me, I was drawn to those words that this the tale of the hunt, until the tale of the hunt is told by the lion, the story will always glorify the, the hunter. Because I find myself uh, deeply drawn to the, not necessarily the underdog, but, but drawn to those hidden, um, those hidden spaces, drawn to those those who are not in the limelight, to those um, individuals who we readily cast aside or or the people that we would readily judge or, um, I, yeah, I, I, so that quote, it does, I think I, I chose that quote because it reflects something that operates within me, which is, like I said, being drawn to that which is hidden and tucked away. And your project, Black and rural. Can you talk a bit about that? Um, so as I'm sure you can guess by the title, Black and Rural, it comes a lot. Uh, it's the genesis of this work stems from my own experience of being a rural dwelling Black individual where I um, there's next to no one. There's a little handful of, of other people of color, let alone Black, who live in the surrounding area that I am in. And as I have come to understand and to want to understand my heritage, to, to embody my heritage with, with um, authenticity and with, and with depth, um, to, to, to claim my, my, myself as a, as a woman of African ancestry, living in this rural context without anybody who shares my ethnicity has meant that I have had to answer that question of belonging and, and, and grounding um, from, from means that, uh, that are outside of popular culture, that are outside of 
you know, being able to gather with in the city, for example, and, and rally together with other Black folks to assert who we are and to make our voices heard. Because I'm the only one, I am drawn inward. And as a performing artist and a storyteller, I've been drawn to, to studying folklore and to, to, to telling folk tales and performing folklore. And, and anyhow, all of this process and there's much more to it, but um, but this process of me wanting to occupy my heritage with with dignity and with strength got me wondering about other Black folks who might also be tucked away on the countryside. This hidden voice, you know, like the lion in that in that proverb, and and I found myself wanting to ask not politically driven questions. Yes, of course, politics and, and, you know, big social uprising and upheaval within all of us will come to the fore in this conversation. But I find myself wanting to ask heart questions. You know, what is the experience for these individuals trying to connect to their roots, trying to remain authentic or not having connection to their Black roots while in their rural space? And I also am deeply curious about how the, our relationship to this physical land and, and how this land, though we are not native to it, how the wisdom of this land, the, the, the knowledge of this land can inform our desire, our need to ground to our, into our heritage. And, and so that, that is the spirit with which I have been speaking to um, African descent Canadians across the country who are rural dwelling um, of all walks of life, all genders, and and um, and asking them questions of the heart about belonging to their community, to their land, and to their heritage while tucked away in their rural setting. Um, so that's the that's the heart of black and rural uh, as it stands right now. So I want to ask. What is the experience, what is it like living in a rural space in a sea of white faces at events or the grocery store? What does that feel like? Um, that's a good question. I would say that there are whole um, seasons where I don't even notice, where I don't where I'm, where I am sufficiently, um, where I'm su sufficiently integrated into the, into my living, my daily life, my daily rhythm of things that I don't notice um, that I do stand out, you know, at the checkout line um, in the grocery store, and and there's something very beautiful about that, but it's also, but that not noticing for me is also a little bit alarming just a little bit because there are so many ways in which that forgetfulness of my of what lives within me the blood that flows through me you know but what why it causes me just a little bit of alarm is is that it's so easy to to think that we are to believe that I that I am <laughs> that I am uh, white <laughs> or that I am, or that I am, 
or to to realize all the ways in which I try to blend in or all the ways in which I try to not make my blackness stand out. And and that's a funny thing that's come up several times in the conversations that I've had with these rural dwelling black Canadians is, is this sense of, despite the fact that we wear our color on our skin, <laughs> um, that if we just don't talk about it, if we just don't if we don't, if we just don't try to speak too much, try not, try not to bring too much attention to our blackness. If we try not to stand out any more than we already do, then we can just be white. <laughs> we can just be like everyone else. Uh, let's just not talk about it. Let's not stand out too much. And and that and the, having this real deep, quiet grappling, and, and I'll speak for myself um, and, and others maybe who feel like me, but with standing with dignity and with their heads held high in the way that our Black heritage wants to come out of us, you know. Uh, for me right now, I'll give a very personal thing. I Unlike what is often associated with black culture, I I really don't like having to deal with my hair, and 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 women dealing with their hair in black culture is huge. It's 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 like a, a rite of passage to be, um, especially in North America, to be a black woman is to really tend to one's hair um, most typically. And I've never been, I've never had that in me, and I've had dreadlocks for the past uh 11 12 years um because i don't have to do anything with them but i'm in this period of time where there's just a lot of going on on the top of my head and i realize oh goodness gracious i i need to uh the next time i'm in vancouver i need to get a little bit of help help on the top of my head and uh uh, and that's a whole beautiful cultural experience for me to leave my real setting and go to a black salon in a big city. But that's for a conversation for another time. <laughs> but um, but I'm right now. It's it's common for women, uh, black women, to wear a head wrap. You know, to uh, to to oh, to cover their hair with beautiful uh, scarves and and to um, and I very well can do this but I am wrestling with oh gosh like I wonder if my town can handle me looking so African <laughs> I wonder if my I wonder what it will be like to have to to have to now encounter the, the checkout clerk who's used to me who's used to what I look like you know and but for me to um, don such a distinctly African um, accessory I found find myself already feeling fatigued at, at having to face the conversations and 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 for one woman that might be an exhilarating thing an opportunity to ed- educate an opportunity to to um, you know just just stand st- strong and tall and and I am still at the stage of oh gosh like how can I am I am I secure enough in my identity to to look so black <laughs> and I don't know if any so African and I don't know if this will resonate with anybody who listens, but, but it's, it's, uh, it's having these kinds of moments have facing these kinds of moments are a part of what drives me 
to then go more deeply inward, to go, to really deeply understand. And for me, it's a lot through my connection to the land. And for me, it's a lot of spiritual inner work and connection to the land to find my footing in my place as a human being and then as a human being of African descent. So that then it does not matter if I then choose to put a head wrap on or not. I may own my humanity. I may own, in addition, my Africanness. And all of that goes through my mind as I, as I consider how to walk out of my door into my small, my small town, uh, even today. Wow. Thank you, Shana, for being so authentic about um, talking about that experience, because I think people need to hear that. With your project, Black and Rural, as you mentioned, you are speaking with folks all across Canada, different walks of life, different genders. And oftentimes when we take on projects, we learn ourselves. It's almost like we're drawn or called to the work to do our own work. Are you finding strength, uh, community, and connection from the folks that you're interviewing for this Black and Rural project? Yes. Oh, yes. It's been an unexpected gift of this project is, is just how much my own life is being enriched by s- speaking with other people who are living in their own way, but something similar. And and I've had so many conversations that have ended with genuine uh, tears welling up in both my eyes and the eyes of the person I'm speaking with at having simply at simply having had the opportunity to to share so honestly about a facet of our experience of life that is so rarely afforded any attention because our humanity is so complex. And, and to be black is multifaceted too, you know, and, 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 the, and any way that we try to slice and dice who we are as human beings, uh, we really r- run the risk of, of just separating ourselves from one another even more. But even with running that risk, shedding a light on and giving voice to a particular experience of blackness, which is different than black Canadian life is much is very different for, for than the black American experience. And then the black rural experience is very in many ways very different than the black city experience experience. And then and then I'm learning from coast to coast that the black rural West Coast experience is very different than the black rural or it has a very different flavor than the black rural prairie experience, which is different than the black rural maritime experience, which is different than the black rural North experience. You know, it's but to to simply have the particulars of what we're going through, um, not going through, but what we live, have a light shed on that, have it valued and honored that in its in and of itself provides strength and richness i know for myself and i know for a fact for for many of the folks i've spoken to feeling a greater courage to keep keep on keeping on simply because we have been seen and we've we're acknowledging our 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 story is acknowledged how much strength and courage that provides for a person just to have their experience acknowledged and yeah, there's a thousand details I could give, but but that's the major one is is to have this particular thread acknowledged. 
I'm grateful to be doing it and to be receiving um, such a gift from these conversations as well. It sounds so gratifying. I would love to hear of your experience as a self-employed artist, an artpreneur, if you will, and your experience um, being that rural artpreneur and also being a yes. rural mom. Oh gosh. Do we have do we have a couple hours here or shall I get <laughs> I can keep it short? <laughs> I guess I, I guess I operate on a lot of a lot of faith, a lot of faith in the f- process of life and in I try to really listen um, and respond and I try not to become afraid of what seems impossible. And I say all of that because I work as an artist, you're right. I, I right now make my living as an artist and I live rurally, which doesn't make any sense to a lot of people. If you're going to try to make a living as an artist, it makes sense practically to be in a city. But for me, I'm, I've found that to have any depth, to actually have any access to to my own heart and to my own to my own thoughts and to my own voice i need to be removed from the clamor of the city and so in order to actually have something to offer artistically i know that this rural space is a part of what i need in order to speak with any truth you know so that aligns to my my sense of truth you know and and so then I'm living rurally and, and I know I'm raising three young, young kids and, and, uh, seven, six and four, and I homeschool them <laughs> and I, uh, only know how to do that in a space where the kids are free to run wild on this land where we can grow a big garden and they can be, um, have access to learning to love putting their hands in the dirt and and where they can be surrounded by trees rather than concrete buildings. I, I, I know my motherhood is so deeply linked to being out of the clamor of the city. My wellness as a motherhood is so much linked to being in, in this space close to the land for my own healing and stability and then for the wellness and stability of my kids. And so I stay, I'm, I'm, I'm really bound that that's just where my heart is telling me that's where I've got to be, even though maybe practically it might not make sense to some people. And then, um, and then the two of them working, I'm self-employed as an artist. I, it, that again would take a couple of hours to how I've stumbled into this work. And, and the fact that I can continue to work in this way I walk, I work in this way for as long as I can, you know, life sometimes throws you curveballs, but right now it is working. And I, and I have just this sense and this trust that if I'm listening deeply, this space, rural space is a part of my process of becoming settled and well within myself. That leads to my work as an artist, I hope and pray having depth and beauty and, and, and makes it desirable, you know, that people will keep wanting to reach out to me and, and others will want to engage me and I will find people that I can engage. And, and so far, so good, you know, so far, um, I am able to, to do that. And, 
and my artistry, having that creative work is so much a part of my wellness in being a mother. I, if I was only, if I, if I could only focus on my kids, I would go crazy. And so, and so being able to have a creative outlet feeds my motherhood, but my motherhood and I, and I'm homeschooling right now. It's like a deep spiritual work to raise my kids with any measure of kindness and patience in me. It takes all my, all my effort and the, the work of loving and raising and being present with my kids totally feeds my work as an artist. It's so, so much of my themes that I work with come out of raising my children, comes out of this desire to be, to be, to be real and deep and authentic in my skin and in my heritage and how all of that is informed by being a human being on this earth and drawing close to the earth. And all of that is wrapped up in me living in this little rural space that I'm in. And, and so I just operate with this deep, I have no choice. It's just wired into my being that, uh, that I try not to look too much at the details. I try not to talk to many pe- to, to, to too many people who are just practically minded. <laughs> I, I, try, I have a lot of dreamers in my life. And, I, and, I, uh, and then I just live one day at a time, trusting the connections that come, trusting the stories that are brought to me the projects that are brought to me, the collaborators that are brought to me, that you, Shauna Ray, are brought to me so that I may, maybe somebody will hear this podcast and that is just the next soul that I am supposed to have in my life, you know? So, and all of that, I don't know if I would be able to operate in quite the same way if I lived in the stress and the clamor and the financial burden of being plugged into the heart of a city. Do you know what I mean? And that's uh, that's how I weave it all together. The way that you can intricately and gently weave words together is so beautiful. I I could listen to you talk forever. Uh, I wonder though if there was a time when you realized. I need to be close to the stillness. I need to be in the mountains. I need to be in a place that is a vessel for my work. And it feeds my work, my art, my family, my being. Was there a moment or an event or something that triggered you and you said, ah, yes, that's it. I know now. This is it. What a wonderful question. I can say yes and kind of. <laughs> and um, the, the, it, But it kind of happens um, in a nonlinear fashion because I've been, I've been living and working. I've been living here for about for almost coming up on six years in this little town. And I've been working in this way for about a a decade or or so. And, um, but the epiphany for me that I think fuels it all was just a couple of years ago. And I got into this practice. I discovered this practice just on my own of walking through the vacant streets of my tiny little town 
at about five o'clock in the morning when it was still dark outside uh, in the winter. And I would make my way through these empty streets and under the morning night sky down to the river, which is just a four minute walk from my house. And this beautiful, wild, rushing river, the Caslow River. And for many, many mornings, weeks and weeks and weeks on end, I would, before my kids were awake, spend a chunk of time right next to the river and doing nothing but just feeling the vibration of the water, feeling the 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 hum and the drone of the rushing water. And I wrote actually a whole entire storytelling set called Grandma Must Speak about me listening to the voice of my grandmothers through the water. But this experience of having of these uh, this morning night ritual, I call it, of going down to the river morning after morning in the black night, just to be next to that water, it is like a. The only word coming to my mind is like a baptism. It's like a a, a rushing, cleansing flow, uh, something for my body, my 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 senses, my mind, my heart. And I would come away from that those moments by the water, just it's like like settled within, settled. And the settled feeling may not wouldn't last necessarily all day long because my three children would start pulling at me and and all of this. And there's something in that that experience of being washed over by the rushing of this water and the grounding and the settling it gave me, the nearness I felt to my grandmothers of generations past. There was a visceral sense and, and the way that that experience blossomed into a beautiful storytelling performance that I now have and, and tour around. And it has shown me that I, everything I've said to you really already, it's, it, it was a, a moment, a symbolic ritual of mine that has shown me that I must go the opposite direction of the clamor of the, of the, of our tech technologically savvy, fast paced world is I want to do everything I can to slow down, to go deep so that the words I say while I'm giving a platform to speak so that the words I say are real, so that the life I live is real. And so that the, whatever little impact I'm supposed to have on this earth while I'm on this earth is, is deep and real and beautiful. And I can only, I feel I can only live that as I go get closer and quieter and more intimate with the elements of this, of this land. Wow, that is just beautiful. And I think it will inspire so many people uh, to, you know, seek that inner wisdom and seek that stillness. Thank you so much. Shana, how can people support Oh, well, um, I have a love-hate relationship with all of the online stuff you have to do to make your life happen nowadays. And I have, um, I have a website uh, that I'm very grateful to have. It's, uh, you can find it at wearestoryfolk.com, all one word, wearestoryfolk.com. Or you can look up specifically uh, the Black and Rural work that I'm doing. The website for that is simply blackandrural.com. The full three words, blackandrural.com. Um, 
And, uh, or if you type in, I believe this works. If you type in Shana Jones storyteller, I believe I'm the one who comes up. So that's a, a way, a way to find me as well. And I'm happy to hear from folks. Feel free to reach out. Shana, can we check in on you again? I am just so inspired by listening to you speak and I'm excited to see what you're going to be doing next. So I would love it if we yes, could check in. like this episode, please subscribe, rate it, and leave a review. It really helps others find us. Clearing a New Path podcast artwork is supported by the graphic design of Katie Wilhelm, and the music branding is by Imagine a Dev Studios. The podcast is produced by Radar Media in Temp Centre, Ontario. It is the traditional territory of the Anishinaabe, Haudenosaunee, and neutral peoples who once used this land as their traditional beaver hunting grounds. The First Nations communities closest to this studio are Chippewa of the Thames First Nation, Oneida Nation of the Thames, Muncie, Delaware First Nation, and the Chippewas of Kettle and Stony Point. We will speak to many people across Turtle Island, and as a settler here, I'm committed to deepening understanding of Indigenous communities and reframing responsibilities to land and community. I am grateful to Mother Earth for the opportunity for love and connection, and to the spirits of the elders and the medicine people who still walk the earth. Until next time. <laughs>